Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, 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 good morning. So great to get to see some of your faces here. So awesome to see all of you watching online. I was just scrolling through all the feeds, and we just I just want to reiterate everything Pastor JF said. We are so thrilled for those of you that can make it in the building, but also those of you watching online, we are still 100% together connected. We support whatever decision you're making that is best for your family. But, everybody say but. But I want to make sure that you stay connected. So right now, uh, upstairs, pastors Eric and Stephanie are leading growth track in person right now. If you've never done growth track, we have virtual growth track that you can do through Zoom or physical growth track. I just want to encourage you, make sure you do that. And maybe you're thinking, oh, but we're just connecting online right now. That's okay, because not only do we have virtual growth track, virtual prayer, virtual small groups, we also have virtual dream teams. So you can still stay home. Yes, exactly. Stay home, stay connected, stay safe for your family, and then also still be serving. So God has just given us all these amazing opportunities, and we're so excited. My name is Pastor Ashley, as Pastor JF said, and I have loved, loved, loved this Joshua series. Anybody with me? It has been, yes, it's been so incredible. Make sure you comment in the comments below. I want to hear what you've loved so much about this series, but the Lord is just transforming Pastor JF and myself and through this book and really just looking at the life of Joshua as a leader. And so we've gone through so many aspects of Joshua's life, right? His calling. We looked at his training and his leadership. We looked at when he took over for Moses and leading the children of Israel. We looked at him crossing the Jordan and how it was so similar to when Moses led across the Red Sea, but vastly different, right? We looked at him walking into Jericho and that very famous battle. And probably one of my favorites was last week, Pastor JF delivered a killer word. And really it was called affirmations for the after. And it's this idea that after your big victory, what's next, right? God has more. And there's this crazy, amazing mantra throughout this entire series that the Lord has mission and calling for each and every one of us. And so last week we talked about the battle of AI. And this week we're going to pick up in chapters 9 and 10. So make sure you jot that down, go and read them in their entirety this week. But we're really going to look at this idea that God has more. If you have breath in your lungs, God still has mission and purpose and calling for you. And what I really want to make sure you understand today that so often the growth process in walking into everything that God has for us truly involves war. It involves battles. It involves struggles. We call it in the church spiritual warfare. And it's so powerful. It's really, really intense of a point because I don't feel like we talk about spiritual warfare enough in the church. 
I feel like so often we get berated by things and we're, oh, we, you know, want to give all this credit to the enemy when the Lord desires to use these things to grow us up and walk us into so much of what he has. This week I was talking to my sister-in-law. She's uh, married to my brother, Reese. Her name is Mary Margaret, and she's this amazing athlete athlete, right? She's, I like to call her an athletic beast. Like she's just, she's a runner, you know, and runners are always amazing to me, mostly because I cannot run. Anybody with me? I, yeah, I know I can't do it. I think I breathe wrong. My legs turn to jello. Like it just, it, I can bike. I can do other things. I like to hike with Pastor JF, but running ain't, ain't for me. And, and the really, really bad pastor's joke that I like to make is, you know, Proverbs 28, 1 says the wicked run when no one's chasing them. Hello. I, I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that. Anybody out there running when no, yeah, no, I'm kidding. But I just, I can't run. Right. And we have we have athletic beasts in this church. I I think about um, Kathy Young. I was I mentioned her in the last service. She's one of those runners like she just runs like marathons like it's nothing. Friend, I couldn't walk a marathon if my life depended. I really don't think I could. And so it always astounds me. But I was talking to Mary Margaret this week and she was talking about all of the various things that she's had to do to keep herself from getting comfortable, even in her running routine. And how powerful of a principle that is. And the Lord was really working on my heart concerning it. Because she was saying how every single month she has to transition weekly, but also monthly overall. Like really pushing her body so much harder so that she doesn't get comfortable. And I think that we need to understand that so often when we are needing to walk into what God has for us, it doesn't always involve times of comfort right? The discomfort is where we grow. It's exactly what Pastor JF just said. So today we're going to really launch from that idea that this spiritual warfare, this battle, this struggle really is part of the process of you and I being able to fully walk out the mission God has for us and to fully walk into everything that he desires to do in and through us. Amen? It's part of the process. So last week we had the awesome alliteration of affirmations for the after. And this week, this teaching on Joshua 9 and 10, we're going to call it battle basics. Anybody ready for battle basics? We're going to look at this, at these passages of Joshua and this story that we're going to unpack today to look at three principles that I think we all can grow from in better understanding spiritual battles, better understanding how God desires to grow us on this journey. So we're picking up in Joshua 9. And at the beginning of Joshua 9, we realize that Joshua and Israel, they've just won the battle of Ai. And we find that news of Joshua conquering Ai, the children of Israel conquering that land, it spreads really, really fast. Look with me. Joshua 9, starting in verse 1. Scripture says, Now when all the kings, say all, all, yes. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, meaning all of the lands that Israel had conquered, everything that God is doing in and through them. 
The kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, all the ites, amen, they came together to what? To wage war against Joshua and Israel. As they're advancing, all of the kings of all of those kingdoms came to wage war against Joshua and Israel. The first of the three basics of the battle that I want you to write down this morning is number one, your advancement attracts attacks. Your advancement, meaning you're walking into the promises of God little by little or big by big, your advancement will always attract attacks. Just as sure as there is a God of the universe that loves you, a God of the universe that has plans for you, and a God of the universe that has provision for you, just as sure as he is real. Friends, there is also an enemy of your soul. And that enemy of your soul never wants you to walk into any of the fullness that God has for you. He is after not only your salvation, right? To pull you away from, from saying yes to Jesus, but he really is after every aspect of how God wants to utilize you in the here and now. And he is very real. And so often we just kind of deny that he exists. We deny how he operates. A few weeks ago, maybe it's been a month or two now, it was that it was that one weekend where all of a sudden the rain stopped. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anybody remember that? Right? It's like, it's literally like this whole shift. It's you wake up and it's like, oh, summer. Amazing. Right? And the gloom kind of goes away. And let's be honest, it's really why we live here because, you know, these three months are, are heaven and they're incredible. And we get to be outside in God's perfect, perfect uh, region. Hey, come on. <laughs> and I remember that my kids were going out into the backyard to reclaim their playground. Anybody with me? Because the whole thing, I mean, I don't know about you, but the weeds take over our life in our backyard during the winter. It's like some sort of super, I don't know, supernatural growth of some kind. The Pacific Northwest produced weeds that I've never, I've never seen anything like it. And so I remember we were in the backyard dewinterizing. That's a phrase. I didn't know until I moved here, right? Because we could still do yard work in the winter everywhere else I lived, but but I'm not so much here. And so I remember the kids were running into their playground, and they have one of those little playgrounds with two swings and a slide, and it's got kind of a fort, right? So the kids were climbing up in there. They're taking back their fort, right? And And they all of a sudden were, you know, playing with each other, and I hear Fulton, ah! And he comes running, 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 running into onto um, our back deck and into our house. And he's screaming, Mommy, Mommy, they're after me. They're after me. And I looked at him, Buddy, what is going on? And he goes, the wasps. The wasps? Yeah, it was a nest in the fort. 
and the wasps. And I said, what happened? And he said, well, we went into the fort, right? And we were taking back our fort and I saw a nest. And, and so when we went to clear it out to take our fort back, to take what was ours, he said, they got mad. And they started attacking. I said, well, buddy, of course they did. And he said, but mommy, it's, it's mine. And I said, I know. But that's against their plan, right? That's not what they had in mind. And so often we get shocked. It's, it, it's really funny because it's all throughout Scripture. And yet we get shocked when the enemy attacks us as we are advancing into what God has already said is ours. We're advancing in the ways that God has called us and the enemy attacks and we are floored. We can't believe it. And friends, the faster we understand that our advancement will always attract attacks and to be ready for it and not caught off guard, the better off we will be. It is the exact same, right? In every part of our lives, our advancement attracts attacks. Well, we see this in Joshua 10. Gibeon has actually made a treaty with the children of Israel. And that's a lesson for another day. It's such an interesting read. Go home and read that tonight. But Gibeon has, has made a treaty with Israel. And because of that treaty and all of the kings hearing about everything God's doing through Israel, these kings come and they not only attack Israel, they attack Gibeon. And that's, if we, if we can... Make an addition to that first point. Can we do that? Let's make an addition to that first point. It's not just your advancement that attracts attacks. It's your advancement and your alignments. Your advancement and your alignments will always attract attacks. The more you begin to align with the people of God, and even when people are not followers of Jesus, but they align themselves with what God is doing in your life, that will attract attacks on them as well. And God is calling us to be prepared for that and not to be caught off guard because it is nothing to fear. It is exactly what God can and will use in your life to bring about everything that he has for you. So Gibeon sends word to Joshua, and Israel begins to prepare for this battle. Not only are all of these kings interested in taking out Gibeon, really the focus is Israel. And so in this same way, just like that runner that we just talked about, just like my sister Mary Margaret, in the same way, as God is calling Israel to go deeper in their walk with the Lord, as God is desiring to advance them further, what happens? The fight gets a little harder. You see, in all the battles before now, Joshua had conquered one city, one king at a time, and now he's about to take on five. Hello. My guess is that's a heck of a lot harder than just one. But what the Lord wants you to see today is as he draws you into these battles that may seem so much harder, so much deeper, so much more intense, you need to understand that as he causes you to have victory in those battles, not only is the battle more intense, so is the victory. 
so is the territory. If the battle is more intense, the territory will be more intense. When it was just one king and one city to fight, guess what? When they plundered it, they just had one city. But when you fought all five, guess what? Now you have five. And for some of us, we're in seasons where we feel like it's battle after battle. And Lord, this is so much more intense. And I believe the Lord would say to you, I am drawing you into deeper battles because I want you to take even more territory. It will be an exponential season for the children of God. That's you and me, friends. And so what's happening here is not only... Is the advancement and the alignment attracting these attacks? But the number two of the three battle basics of spiritual warfare is your perseverance presents his power. Your perseverance presents his power in battle. Let me explain. Let's look at Joshua 10. Starting in verse 7. We see, we just talked about Joshua and Israel. They're preparing for battle. It's battle over all of these kings attacking Israel and Gibeon. And verse 7 says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. In verse 8, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and we're going to go back to this passage, so you can just leave it up. But I want you to understand how my brain and my heart works. Can I, can I just confess to you the flesh part of Pastor Ashley? If the Lord had said to me, I will deliver these armies into your hand, I'd have been immediately going to Uber Eats in my head. And, and that's not just because I'm hungry. Maybe it is. But no, I, I'm like, oh, Lord, you're going to deliver? You're going to deliver them into my hand. Awesome. I'm going to sit on my couch and wait for the doorbell to ring. Contactless delivery. Glory to God. Anybody else hungry? Exactly. And so, and Lord, if you're delivering them into my hand, awesome. I'm going to relax. And that's not what the Lord is saying here. Even this week, as I was praying over this, the Lord showed me over and over and over. He was telling Joshua, I will deliver them into your hand. But guess what? If Joshua hadn't shown up for that battle, do you see what I'm saying? If Joshua had decided to stay home and said, oh, the Lord said he was delivering them. No, no, no. He said, I will deliver them into your hand into your hand. And in that moment, I truly believe if Joshua had said, oh, you know what? The Lord's got this. I'm going to just stay home. That would have been an issue. You see, the God of the universe decided that he wants to bring about his kingdom, his change, his glory through you and through me. It's a partnership, friend. He desires to use you to change the world. And so often we look at this, and, and I've even heard people say, oh, the battle's the Lord's. Yeah, 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 you're exactly right. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to stay home. The battle is the Lord's, meaning it's his plan. It's his glory. We're doing it his way for his kingdom. But that doesn't mean that we get to stay at home. 
God is calling us into the battle that he's already said is his, but he desires to use his kids. Let's go back to the passage. After an all-night march from Gilgal, after an all-night march, Joshua took them by surprise. Whoa, whoa, wait, just a second. An all-night march? I have to tell you, I had to do a little bit of research. I was looking, and this was a 25-mile march that Joshua and the children of Israel did in full armor with all of their weapons all night long. I looked further, and this was a 4,000-foot elevated incline. Hello. I don't know any climbers out there. That's kind of a big deal. 25 miles, 4,000 feet of incline, of elevation during the night. And then they took those armies by surprise. And I thought, Lord, I can't fathom what that weakness felt like. I got to be honest with you. This has been a tough season for a lot of people. And I know a lot of you, a lot of you watching right now are thinking, this is the weariest weakest season that you've ever experienced. And yet this army, I have to believe, is really, truly experiencing that same feeling physically of being so weary. And yet they traveled the 25 miles and that 4,000 feet of incline, and they took those armies by surprise. Why? Because they understood that the battle is always worship. That our perseverance in battle allows the presence of God to work in and through us in a way that shows his power unlike anything else. Look at how God responded. In the middle of their weariness, their willingness to fight and obey the word of the Lord. Look at verse 10. Scripture says that in that moment, in their perseverance, in their willingness to respond in a way that they pressed in despite their weariness, despite their weakness, despite their exhaustion. It says in verse 10, the Lord threw them, meaning the enemy, into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites in that moment defeated them completely at Gibeon. Friends, I have to tell you that when we are willing to give it our all, the Lord shows up in such incredible ways. I think about my daughter, Israel. She'll be nine next month. That's shocking. And the last time we got to visit my parents, we were at their house, and they had borrowed a bike for her to be able to, to ride because they live in Georgia. And, and she loves bike riding. But my parents have this, this kind of a steep hill in their driveway. And the driveway's paved, but it's kind of a steep hill at the very end of it. And I remember... Israel trying to do that hill over and over. And it was, it was a little too steep for her, even though she's a really great bike rider. I remember my dad walked out to her one of the days and said, baby girl, you, here's what you do. If you start at the very beginning of the driveway and you pedal as hard and as fast as you can, the hardest and the fastest you have ever pedaled, I know that you will be able to top that hill. 
And so I saw, I saw Israel. She's so determined. She's so strong. And she went to the very beginning of the driveway and she pedaled so hard and so hard and so fast and so fast. And she got to the hill and went, eh. and then I saw her hop off the bike and kind of walk it up. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Here we go. And she's at the beginning of the driveway. And she's pedaling hard, hard, fast, 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 fast. And she hits the bottom of that hill. And she's going even faster now. And you can tell she's getting stronger. And she's getting more confident in it. And she's, oh, and she has to hop off the bike, right? And she's pedaling up the hill. But she's not discouraged. She's tired, right? But she's not discouraged. She knows she's going to be able to do it. And that moment, I, I see my dad see Israel persevering, giving it her all. And I see my dad walk down to about the middle way of that hill. And he says, come on, baby girl, you can do it. This time, the best you got, the best you got. And I see her start and she is hauling and she's, she's pedaling so hard and she hits around where my dad is. And my dad being the amazing grandfather, right? He gets behind her bike and he grabs the back of that seat and he goes along with her. And he pushes her, and she tops that hill, and she is so jazzed, and she's screaming, and she's excited. And in that moment, I thought, Lord, what a beautiful picture of what you ask of us, right? You're calling us to top that hill, and some of us sit at the end of the driveway and go, okay, Lord, you said, you said I could do it, so cool. And he's like, no, 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 I said you could do it. Now it's time to do it. Now it's time to show everyone around you just how powerful I am. In the middle of your weakness, now's the time to pedal in exactly the way you can, as fast and as hard as you can, and watch my power make up the difference so that his power can be presented, right, through our perseverance. I love the way Paul puts it. If you look in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul's actually arguing with the Lord. Anybody else do that? I do that all the time. <laughs> Paul's arguing with the Lord and trying to, trying to vie with the Lord. Lord, I, you know what? Can you just make it easier? He's like, I got this thorn in my flesh. Can, can't you just take it away and make it easier? I'm tired, Lord. I'm weary. I'm so sick of fighting this battle. Can't you make it easier? Look what the Lord said. Verse 9. Scripture says, he, meaning the Lord, said to me, meaning Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, my strength, right, says the Lord, is made perfect. And maybe you want to circle that word perfect. Because really it means my power is seen most clearly. My power is complete. My power is visible to others in your weakness. And then Paul says, so now that I... Now that I get that, now that I get that people can see the love of God more beautifully, more completely, more perfectly, when they see how weak I am and how much he still uses me, when they see how weak I am and how strong he is and how he compensates for everything I'm not, he says, so I'm a boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Look at verse 10. That is why... For Christ's sake, meaning for his kingdom, for his glory, I'll delight in how weak I am. Meaning I'm grateful. I, there's a different way that I look about the battle now. I look at the battle completely differently because I understand that when I persevere in my weakness, people around me can see just how much God loves them, just how strong he is and how powerful he can be in their lives. 
I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Well, how is that? I'm strong because in my weakest point, God the Father's running right alongside, right? And he said, I see you. You're giving it your all, and that blesses me. That makes me so proud of you, and I will make up everything that you are not. I will make up that difference, and I will bring you into that victory. Joshua 10, starting in verse 10, says that Israel pursued them, meaning their enemies. They're running after them. It's not enough that they've just overtaken them. Now they're running after them because they know exactly what God has said about this battle. They pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Ezekiah and Makeda. They didn't quit. In the middle of not only that journey there and they've experienced victory, they are still not quitting. Verse 11, as they fled before Israel on the road from Beth Horon to Ezekiah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died, say more, more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Friends, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over and over. When I am obedient in doing my little whatever that God has called me to, he comes in with his power and his strength, and he moves mountains in ways that I couldn't even have fathomed. But he's calling me to be obedient with what he's given me in my hands. For me, so often it even looks like being willing to just allow the Holy Spirit to pray in and through me. Pastor J.F. and I have talked about this over and over. I've taught about it before. When we, before we even knew that God had for us to take over Church for All Nations as lead pastors, before we even realized that, the Lord was doing, He's doing something in our lives. We felt this ground shifting, and we didn't know how to pray about it. We didn't know what we were praying for. We didn't know any of it. And so we just started praying in the Spirit, just allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us. Because how many of you know, He knows a lot better than we do right? He sees the, the future. He knows exactly what he has for us. And so in that, I know that I know that I know that God was literally praying through me, praying through Pastor JF, praying through so many of our mentors that surround us to make what God is doing right here and right now a part of the victory that he had for our lives. It's, it's in a way that none of us can even do in and of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10. I love how Paul says it here too. This is a message that he preaches over and over. But 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. Scripture says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with I just want you to underline that because some of you guys that don't feel like you have weapons, God has given you weapons. He's given you spiritual gifts, but there's one particular weapon that he's calling us to fight with that we're going to talk about in a second. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You need to understand that the enemy has weapons, but we have the weapons. We have weapons that are so much stronger. Ours demolish strongholds of the enemy. And it makes me think about that movie. How many of you remember Crocodile Dundee? Do you remember that movie? I am dating myself. Oh my gosh. Some of you millennials are like, what? Uh, Crocodile Dundee was just this epic, like, whatever film. And there's this point where this guy who's like a crocodile dude from Australia, he's in New York City, and this guy pulls a knife on him, right? And he pulls a little like switchblade on him, and he's like, ah, give me your wallet. And Crocodile Dundee goes, whoa, wait, you call that a knife? No, 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 no. This is a knife, and he pulls out this massive machete. <laughs> and that is us, friends. The enemy comes at us with these attacks, right? And we feel them, and of course they hurt. But friends, our weapon, our weapon that the Lord has equipped us with, that's not a weapon. This is a weapon, right? Ours demolish strongholds, the power that God is giving us. So I know what you're thinking. Okay, Pastor Ashley. You said there's one specific weapon. What is that weapon? Let's look and see what Scripture says about it. Ephesians 6. Scripture says in verse 10, Finally, finally, meaning after you've after you're exhausted, after you're weary, after you've tried everything else, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in your best power. No. Be strong in the Lord and in what? His, His mighty power. How? How how are we strong in His power? We just read it. In our weakness. When we're the most weary, when we've given everything, how are we that strong? Because of His power. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because friends, he has them and he's after us with them, right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... So since we have this battle, since we are in spiritual warfare all the time, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand, not hide, stand. And for some of us, we think standing means, oh, well, I'm just feeble. I'm just going to barely show up. And the Lord's going, no, 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 this is not stand like just be able to stand on your feet. This is stand, meaning not falter. Meaning count on my power in your life to bring the victory and I am enough for you. I love that he reiterates it in this last part. He says, so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. After you've done everything. Perseverance, friends. Perseverance. 
presents his power to the world in a way that our just standing on the sidelines will never do. He's a God that desires to partner with and through us. The rest of that passage, he goes on to list all the various pieces of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet and the shield and the helmet. And they're all defensive. They're all protection for our lives, except for one. One is a weapon. And then he gives us the specialization of that weapon. And I love this. Look with me. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 17. He says, here's the weapon you fight with. The rest you protect yourself with. Here's where you do some damage. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to underline word because most of my life, I thought that was referring to Scripture. I thought it was referring to the written text, the Bible that we can hold in our hands, and that is the sword of the Spirit. Did you know that in the original language, that term, word of God there, is not the logos. It's not the written word of God, friends. It's the rhema. It's the rhema word of God. Well, what is that, Pastor? What rhema literally means in the original language is utterance. I like to call it the right now word of God. It's what God is speaking that will always, always, always line up with scripture. It's what God is speaking to you about your situation right here, right now. That is your weapon. What God is saying to you about your situation right here, right now. What his will is that will always line up with scripture, but what his will is, that is your weapon understanding, hearing the voice of God. And I love, go back to that passage. I love the last part of it because it, it, it really helps me to understand how I can hear him better. Verse 18, and, everybody say and. And, it means this is connected. Here's the specialization of this weapon. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. You want to know how you can hear the voice of God with clarity in ways that you maybe never have before? Pray in the Spirit. And friends, I got to tell you, regardless of what you've been taught, praying in the Spirit is for you. It's for you and it's for now. It's not just for a few elite. It's, not, it's nothing like that. He has a prayer language that he desires to pray through you that may feel awkward at first, it may feel a little bizarre, but literally as you allow him to pray through you and, and just push the doubt out of your, you will begin to hear him with a clarity that you've never had before. And I didn't say this in the first, in the first service, but not long ago, Pastor Angie, I'm trying to remember when it was, did I call you? It was maybe at the very beginning of January. I was praying in the Spirit, and the Lord gave me a word for this season. And I called Pastor Angie because I wanted her to be my accountability. I said, Pastor Angie, the Lord is speaking this to me, and I need for people in my inner circle to know. 
I said, he's telling me that I'm about to face something that will be particularly strange, but he has me, right? And I said, if you could date this and time it, I don't want anybody to think I'm making this up. A few weeks later, I started having a weird pain in my neck, and we went in to get an x-ray because I've never dealt with that before. And they found what they called stenosis in my brain right behind my left eye. And Pastor JF and myself, we didn't share it with very many people, just our inner circle. And it began a series of multiple brain scans and figuring out what's going on, what's going on. Why do I tell you that? Two and a half weeks ago, my very last brain scan, the doctors can't find anything anymore. Amen? But why? Why am I telling you this? Was the Lord talking about the pandemic? Yeah, probably. Was the Lord talking about all the craziness that our world is in? Yeah, probably. Was he also talking about my very personal issue that was a very big deal to me? Amen? Yeah, I believe so. And throughout, Pastor Angie's such an amazing pastor. She'd call me and she'd go, how are you? Checking on you. I said, you know, all I can hear is just his voice. And I had peace about it that didn't make sense. It didn't make sense at all. Why? Because I had his word. His word, yes. His word that he's my healer, yes. Everything that he's done for me and written for me in scripture, but I had a rhema word about this season. A right now word about exactly what I was gonna face and it was such amazing confidence. And that's the last point I have for you today. Number three, so your alignment, right? Your advances, your alignment, that will always attract attacks. Expect it, amen? Your perseverance presents his power. He's calling you to stay at it, friends. Despite your weariness, guess what? He wants to use that weariness. People are gonna come to know the Lord because they're gonna watch you and go, man, aren't you tired? But you still have this way about you, this grace. God's using you and you're like, yeah, he is, right? And the last one, your confidence is crucial. Your confidence is crucial. Well, Pastor Ashley, what are you talking about? Because you just said that it was in our weakness. Yeah, yeah, No, don't get me wrong. Not confidence in you. (laughs) I don't have any confidence in me. Are you kidding? No, no, not confidence in me. Confidence in him. Confidence in what he said. Confidence in his word. Confidence in his power. And God is calling us to pray with his confidence. Look at 1 John. Chapter 5, starting in verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to what you want. No. If we ask anything according to his will. According to his will. How do we know his will? We listen. We get in his word. We hear for that rhema word. We allow him to pray through us, right? And if, everybody say if. This is a big if, you guys. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have 
what we asked of him. There's so many elements of this. I don't want you to miss it. Number one, the first part of that passage that you need to remember in this type of confidence, you do have to approach God. You have to approach him with the confidence that he actually hears you. I even wrote this down. Some of us, and I am guilty of this. I've done this in the past, friends. Some of us are only praying because we don't have confidence. Do you know what that sounds like? In my life, it's been like, Lord, if you're there, God, if you're there. And he's like, what? No, 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 no. You need confidence. Confidence that not only am I your God, but I want you to approach me. I want you to come and ask me. I want to do this with you, in you, through you. This is how I operate. You don't have to wonder if I'm listening. Know that he hears you. And then he's going to speak his will to you. So you have to be avidly listening. And then you're to pray, not your will. No, 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 not Ashley's will. You're to pray what he's speaking to you. And in that, you can be confident, not in anything you are, not in anything I am, but in who he is. And that he will do exactly what you're asking. Why? Because you're speaking his own words back to him. He is a God that desires to use you, to use you in confidence of exactly, exactly who he is and who he says you are. Joshua did this. Joshua had this type of confidence. Joshua prayed like this. Look, we're going to close with this. Joshua 10, starting in verse 12. On the day that the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel... Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Think about how crazy this is. Joshua was that confident in who God is. He wasn't just praying it in his prayer closet. He was yelling it in front of all the armies. Look at what he yelled. Sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon, you stand still over the valley of Ahalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. This was a day when the Lord listened to a human being Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. You know, it's so, it's so powerful here. The scripture tells us that there's never been a day like it before or since, right? So I, I can't call on the Lord to have the sun stand still, but I can call on Evie, Evie to give us a spotlight so that we can stop for a second and think about what that might have felt like. Sun stand still. The sun standing in the middle of the sky and pointing down. Why? All week, I was praying and asking the Lord, Lord, why? Why would you answer that prayer? You'd already told them that they were going to be delivered into their hands. Why would you answer that prayer of Joshua's? And the Lord spoke so powerfully to me. 
so powerfully articulating to me what I believe he desires for us to get out of this extravagantly bold, crazy prayer that truly was in line with the actual heart of God. You see, if, if I had been fighting that battle and operating in my will and my flesh, guess what my prayer probably would have sounded like? Lord, make this battle end faster. Lord, lift me out of here. I don't want to fight this anymore. But when you have someone like Joshua, the courage and strength of everything that God had instilled inside of him, Joshua's prayer was, Lord, make the battle last long enough for me to do everything that you're calling me to do. Lord, if you have to stop the sun in the sky and make the moon stand still, God, I'm not asking for an easier battle. I am asking that you give me the strength, God. You give me the time to literally be a good steward of everything that you're calling me to in this battle. That's a different prayer, isn't it? Sun, stand still. Don't make the battle easier. Lord, make me able to do everything you desire in this battle. God, even if you have to stop the earth from rotating, that's how badly I want to do your will. That's how badly I want to be used by you. He understood that, yes, the battle is the Lord's, but that doesn't mean he doesn't show up for it. The battle is the Lord's means that I'm going to show up fighting for God's will in his way, in a line with his plan, with confidence in only him and everything he has. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you didn't realize that there's a God that loves you, that's so passionate about you, that's that has a, a will and a mission and a calling for your life. And that there's an enemy of your soul that doesn't want you to walk into any of that. But today you can say yes to this God. You can say yes to his son that died for you. You can say yes to the forgiveness that he offers. You can say yes to the mission that he has for your life, living a life bigger than anything you could ever imagine for his kingdom and his glory. You can say yes right now in your own words. If that's you, you just do that right now. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want you. I want your will. I want your forgiveness. I want your love. God, I want to trade this life that I'm just living for me and I'm living it in my own way with what I think is best. But God, I want to do it your way. I'm giving you all my sin and my shame, Lord. And in exchange, I want to take the life that you desire to live through me and in me. And I believe that if you say that in your own words, I believe that all of heaven is rejoicing. And I want to invite you not only just to say yes to him and to eternity, but to say yes every single day to the mission that he has for you. Every single day to the calling and the power and the advancement that he has for you. And that's a, a daily decision to walk in all of that strength. Maybe today you're here and 
2020 is just beating you down. You feel so weak and you're weary. And I want to pray for you that the Lord would give you a perseverance. Not because you need to be stronger. No, 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 no. A perseverance that holds on to the fact that when you are willing to persevere, he shows up in the middle of your weakness. He shows up with all of his strength, with all of his power, with all of his might. And his love is shown so perfectly in your weakest moments. When you've given everything, his love shows up in a way that can't when we're unwilling. So I want to pray that for you, that perseverance. And lastly, that you would have the confidence that the God of the universe not only wants you to approach him, he invites you to. He actually created this entire universe to operate in and through you. He wants to bring his kingdom, his will, his church in and through you. And that your confidence would be in who he is and what he says about you what he says about who you are, what he says about his plans for you, and that he would give you ears to hear. Brand new. Maybe you've never prayed in the Spirit. I want to pray that the Lord would give you that freedom to just step out and begin to allow him to pray through you. Lord, you know our hearts, God. You know exactly what we're dealing with. Those that just said yes to you. God, I pray that you would give them boldness, Lord, to reach out, to text, like we're going to have the opportunity in a second, so that they won't do life alone, Lord, that they would be able to have a community rally around them so that they could walk into everything that you have for them. Lord, those of us that are dealing, God, with being weary, this has been a crazy season of attack after attack after attack. Lord, we just ask for supernatural perseverance. Supernatural perseverance, God, that shows your power so beautifully to everyone around us, Lord, that we would catch a glimpse of how you want to use our weakness to show the world just how strong you are, just how much you love us, how we can lean back into your loving arms, that you will always catch us, and Lord, I just ask that you would give everyone within the sound of my voice, everyone, confidence, Lord, not only that you want to use us, Lord, but confidence in what you say about us, confidence in what you're calling us to, Lord, that we would begin to understand that that confidence in you makes all the difference. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in and through us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.